0: hi it's lorraine from once upon a nightmare i did have an episode all planned for this week i actually recorded it i was editing it and i realized all through it i must have been tapping something so i was going to sort that out tonight but then my little girl got poorly so i haven't had a chance so what i've done is i've borrowed an episode from ray from being bookish We covered the 1990 film Misery, which I also have on here, and we also did the book. So I thought I'd use the book. I don't have any books on this podcast, so I thought it would be interesting for all you horror fans to listen to what you thought of that. So I hope you enjoy it, and I will be back next week with Piranha 3D, which is what I've done, and I do apologize again, but sometimes these things just get in the way. Anyway, enjoy.
1: Another pot of coffee is brewing, and I've actually been drinking it with ice and coconut milk. A pleasant change, if I do say so myself. It's not been a bad reading week. I think I've maybe managed three books so far. I'm losing count at this point, to be honest. One was really good, one was okay, and one just about average so a pretty good selection this week i was going to be reviewing the ocean at the end of the lane by neil gaiman but that will now be next week's offering as this week was much more involved than i'd anticipated as i got ready for my stint on a live stream for the cure if you watched donated or subbed thank you It was a fantastic experience and Nick's hard work paid off as at final count, the stream made over $23,000 for cancer research. So again, thank you to everyone who donated and to anyone who watched my live stream, thank you for supporting me. All this means is that it's time for the next episode of Being Bookish. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, film addict, TV show marathoner, hermit, long-term depression sufferer, and very honest caffeine fiend. Light the candles, get yourself a fresh cup of something hot, or a glass of something chilled, depending entirely on when you're listening and your preference, of course, and let's get started. And I have a guest with me for this episode, and we're doing a second episode on this same topic, slightly twisted, <laughs> because in that episode, we're going to be doing spoilers because we are going to be covering the film. So today we are discussing misery, and I have with me the most appropriate person in my friend group ever for this particular topic, Lorraine from Once Upon a Nightmare.
0: Say hi. Hi. Hi, it's not because I'm a misery guts.
1: <laughs> no, definitely not, though. Having said that, misery in the film's a pig, so I'm not sure what we can take from that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oink. <laughs> but we are going to be discussing Stephen King's 1987 bestseller, Misery. Paul Sheldon is a best-selling novelist who has finally met his number one fan. Her name is Annie Wilkes, and she is more than a rabid reader. She is Paul's nurse, tending his shattered body after an automobile accident. But she is also furious that the author has killed off her favourite character in his latest book. Annie becomes his captor, keeping him prisoner in her isolated house. Annie wants Paul to write a book that brings misery back to life, just for her, She has a lot of ways to spur him on. One is a needle, another is an axe. And if they don't work, she can get really nasty. Uh, It is very different from the film in many ways. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was a very good adaptation. But we are going to be talking book, which means one thing. I have to try and talk about
0: no spoilers, which I don't know how to do. I spoil everything. (laughs) Ray would be like, all the way through this, you'll be like, you can't say that, Lorraine. You can't say that, (laughs)
1: you do get used to it after a while it is very very difficult to start with i think this is my first time yeah i have to admit that i struggled so badly with certain books especially books in a series not spoiling anything because you know that in the next book it spoils everything <laughs> for the one yeah. that came before it but you do you do adjust okay so we are talking 1987's misery with no spoilers this time round however in the next episode, we are discussing 1990s film *Misery* with spoilers. Get my but fix. to be honest, it's not going to give that much away from the book.
0: Well, I think if people listen to *Misery* the book, and then they go and watch the film straight, they go and listen to the film one straight after without ever reading either. Then that's their choice. So we yeah, will exactly. spoil it in the film. So. Maybe if you haven't read the book and you are big into reading and stuff like that, maybe read the book before you go watch it. Because while there are different things in the film, there's still a lot very the same. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree. It's just done a bit different. Yes. For
1: good reason, apparently, according to the research well, I've done. Well, I'm, I'm glad that one or two scenes were done differently. <laughs> <laughs> As as we've said, it's the book right now. So what did you think of this? Because I know you're not a massive reader, at least
0: a fiction. No, I'm not a reader at all. Um, well, hang on, let me rephrase that. I will read true crime. I will uh read like um you know, like self development books, like I love my Robin Sharma, my Mel rob and stuff like that. But I because as Ray knows, me sitting still for five minutes without doing something isn't something I do very well. It's
1: impossible.
0: So it's impossible. I can't sit down. Um, so I did this on Audible and, you know, for me, it's perfect because I'm out and about a lot. I'm doing stuff a lot. So me, I'm like cleaning, dog walking and I just had this on and it's it's ideal for people that like me who have ants in their pants and can't sit still for five minutes.
1: <laughs> Whereas I read this book Yesterday,
0: you got issues, man. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's the thing. You say that I read this book yesterday, and then last night when I went to bed, I read a different one.
0: Yeah, I just, I just, no, I just, I honestly, I mean, I my hats off to people. The weird thing is, my mom, my dad, and my brother, all big readers. Not so much now. My mom still is. I don't know if my dad is, but my brother is it. But like, but I just never got into it unless it was about true crime. That's all I could read. You know, so I. I, I just haven't got the patience to sit. So Yeah, I've
1: just totaled up my books for the month and it's so far 13. It's
0: only the 22nd of May. Yeah, I know. Someone's probably out there going, 13, is that all? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I've
1: seen that so many times. I belong to Amateur. A few <laughs> groups on, yeah, I belong to a few groups on Facebook and people are saying, oh, I've read 40-odd books this month. And I'm thinking, how? And then it's because reading isn't only reading anymore it is also audio audio books and things are mm. also reading I'm yeah. not going to ever take that away from people if you can get through a, an 11 hour book and if you can get through 42 11 hour books then my
0: tip my hat to you seriously I just wouldn't have the time I can't listen to audio books yeah so you definitely wouldn't have the time that would work no him.
1: I can't listen to audiobooks. I've tried. And for some reason, my brain just doesn't click with them.
0: I never used to understand. My brother used to listen to them in the car. And anytime I got into the car with him, I, this was like in my 20s when they had the tapes. And I think Stephen <laughs> Fry, he used to listen to Stephen Fry once. And I was like, oh my God, this is the most boring thing in the world. Who would sit and listen to a book? <laughs> you know? But now I just... I've always got either a podcast or a book on the go now in my head. Well, not in my head, but in the ear. I was going to say, have you turned into Annie Wilkes? Cut her leg <laughs> off. Um, but yeah, no. But I think everyone does it their own way, and you know, that's fine. You know, that's
1: one thing you said to me about this book because it was read by Lindsay Krause, who anyone who is a fan of Buffy will know was in season four. But she does have a very mm. good reading voice. Mm. So what did you think of the book having listened to it as
0: audio rather
1: than reading it?
0: I think she helped because she was, I think because I'd seen the film and I knew who Annie Wilkes was and how she carried on and all that kind of stuff. She very much, I'm more visual, like I like to see things like that. And I, while she was talking, I could really picture Annie Wilkes. So she brought me into it in that way because everything she did, I could see Paul Sheldon. I could see Annie Wilkes. I could see the cop whose name I can't remember and Buster. And that's what I enjoyed about it. So I I know this sounds really bad and people don't understand this, but I like to watch the film before I do the book. I know Ray's looking at me like, and that's the end. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm one of these people. I know it makes no sense, but hey. We're all different. Are you one of those
1: people that reads the last chapter of your you've got a physical book?
0: No, God, no, no, I would no, no, I don't do that. But I, I, I don't know. I just I like to know. Like a lot of the true crime podcasts I listen to, I already know the story. But I had I had to do it once at one point. Like, do you know what I mean? But I, I like I found it easier because I knew what was going on. I know that's people are like turning it off now. <laughs> Not listening to that
1: <laughs> no, show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the, I under, I can understand that it's the visual aspect of it.
0: Hmm.
1: In my, I find when I'm reading a book, I like to imagine the characters, how I envisage them, which is why sometimes when I watch a film adaptation afterwards, I struggle. However, with this one, I do think they got it absolutely perfect in hmm. the film. I mean, yeah. obviously there are faults with the film, but when it came to the characterization of these people on, pa- on paper, what I found interesting though was there weren't as many people on paper. Mm. So we have the prime characters, the central characters in the book are Paul Sheldon and Annie Wilkes. And they are who you have for the majority of the book. Yep. There is very little interference or presence of anyone else in this book. And the funny thing is, I don't feel like you actually got to know much about Annie as a person. Okay. You got to know her quirks and she definitely flipped very, very early on. She was irrational. Mm. and But at the same time, I think that... I was reading it. The first time I read it was probably when it came out. So a very, very long time ago, I was 13. That was
0: probably oh the first time I, yeah. wow.
1: I, it it, I read it when it came out in 1987.
0: Quite a strong book for a 13-year-old, isn't
1: it? I read it before I read this. So, yeah, oh. uh, I was one of those children that read grown-up books because I was I'd surpassed
0: the books that were in our primary school library. Is that where you got your love of porn reading from, from the live stream the other day from a young <laughs> age?
1: No, no. I don't even know when I read, I'm trying to think when I read my first, because I read Jilly Cooper. I read Jilly Cooper quite young. Who's
0: the one with, is it Jackie? Is it not Stavros? What's the the, the guy that's always on the front of, Fabio? Is it Fabio? Fabio. Oh, that's that's Joanna Lindsay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> And she doesn't write porn.
1: Oh, she well, writes historical romances. Oh, and I have I have two entire shelves of Joanna Lindsay's Fabio covers. Bet you do. <laughs> they were they were good books for the time. Okay, but with Annie, when I first read it, my interpretation of her was, "Oh my God, she's dumb and mental," because at thirteen, your brain doesn't process oh, yeah. things Sorry, the same yeah, way. No, yeah. Yeah but as an adult reading this she's actually quite intelligent mm. because okay so she comes across as a simple um a religious simpleton mm. and reading the book bearing in mind the majority of what we're reading is through Paul's eyes mm-hmm. it's his interpretation of his experiences she is wily mm she knows what she's doing she has made sure that he is isolated but in the book she makes sure he knows it Mm. very very
0: quickly i think with her like i didn't like the first time i ever got into this was obviously when the film came out in 1990 and back then i would have just thought bloody hell she's mental like you said like i wouldn't have looked into that and she's a bit bit of an idiot the way she goes Snorting around the place and all this kind of thing
1: Yeah, she's simple and where she goes, cock-a-doodle-doody and whatever
0: else. Yeah. Oh my god, I will, I think everyone should change swearing to the way Annie Wilkes swears. Swears by the way. I agree. We, we need to do that. You dirty, dirty. I I love it, and but I don't think anyone could pull it off. Quite how Kathy Bates does, but um, no, I think watching it. Uh, sorry, listening to the book this time as as an you know a grown up, if that's what you can call me. Yeah. Um, she she did know exactly what she was doing, you know? And I think the only time she didn't, I don't know if know what she was doing is, is when she lost control. Like she just, yeah. she she had no control over that. And then that's when she had, that's the only time she almost wasn't intelligent, you know, didn't come across intelligent because, you know, you should be able to control your anger like that says me, who's got a temper, but But yeah, all the way through, even down to little things of how she finds out certain things. I'm trying not to spoil it, so I'm not saying. But, you know, the little ways that she, little things she puts into place. So she knows what's going on with Paul, even if she's not about. But Um,
1: she was, she planned a lot of stuff. mm -hmm. I mean, it was an impulsive act that led them to this in the first place. Maybe we should set the scene. Do you want to set the scene of the book?
0: No, you said it
1: because I'll get okay. it wrong. Paul Sheldon is an author, and he has written a well-known historical romantic series based around a character called Misery Chastain. He is—he's killed her off in his latest book
0: mm-hmm.
1: because he hates that character.
0: I found—I'll be honest with you—they don't do it as much in the film, but in this, any time they went into that story, I kept. Almost forgetting about the the book within the book story, and I was yes. like, "Who who are they talking about?" And I was like, and I would switch off because I I had no interest. All I wanted was um, Annie and Paul the whole way through. And whenever I got that, I didn't. I mean, I don't mind the it cop. And, you. Yeah, I yeah, because I was like, oh, and I I I would kind of I couldn't tell you what they said because I found it those bits boring because there wasn't enough to kind of. You know, you'd almost need the book, the whole book to kind of get into that, I felt. I just, it just- but, That was, I think that was the intent.
1: It kind was of showing-
0: Kind full sense of security that everything. was. It was also right
1: giving you this visualization of a man who was absolutely frustrated with this character that he'd oh, created, yeah. that had made him all this money. And on his way home, he goes to the same location every time mm-hmm. he's writing a book. put the finishing touches on it and he writes a brand new book brand new characters he thinks it's the best thing he's ever written and when he is driving home from the lodge to present this book to his agent he is in a car accident there's a blizzard and he is in a car accident Mm -hmm. and annie wilkes who is a nurse saves him however you slowly actually I'd say quickly in the book start to realize that her motivations are incredibly twisted yeah and he wakes up to this the the image of this fat-faced woman in front of him saying I'm your number one fan yeah I mean that's not creepy at all is it
0: yeah no it, it's it's I I think as well, because obviously he can see out the window and see in the room that he's not actually in a hospital. And when you're in that type of way, you, you know, that's where you'd expect to be. He's very seriously injured and he's been unconscious for a number of days. Well, exactly. And even the way she kind of like is, yeah, we're going to, you know, we'll sort this out basically once the road's clear. It was just, she, she always spoke, when she spoke about stuff like that, oh, I... You know, I've been in contact with people. People basically know you're here, and I'm going to get you to where you need to be, and everything's going to be fine. She's, I, she always seems very dismissive when she talks. It's almost like, oh, look at that car going by the window. You know, it's there's nothing, there's no sitting down, like as in a situation like that. You do everything you could to reassure that person. Look, this is what I've done, and you never ever felt that from her. I never well, no. felt
1: there was no comfort and no. no- she has no. got no bedside manner. And for a no. nurse, that's really bizarre.
0: Well, I've met nurses that have no bedside manner and I've seen some of them. And they're not, you know, it's its if you don't have that compassion, don't be a bloody nurse. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, and no, but with her, yeah, straight away, you're like, I'm on, I know I'm uneasy about her because there's no I, I didn't feel one bit secure in the fact that she'd actually done anything to help him there and he was there to stay
1: oh yes but also she makes it quite clear very early on that there are certain rules to be kept Mm. and she her mood switches so quickly as you said she has a trigger temper Mm. and she's irrational however but very soon afterwards She cleans things up. She is rational, Mm. almost clinical in the way that she does other things and the way that she covers up the messes that she creates. Mm. As though that irrational moment is a split personality.
0: Well, she reminds me of, you know, when you hear about people that are in some kind of abusive relationship you you don't know what it's going to be but they're going to snap and then afterwards it's like oh oh, what am I like I shouldn't have done that I'm so sorry but you know you know this is going to happen again and obviously the first time she does it well you can you know that he's a bit like okay is there anything wrong here but he's a bit out of it he's still in pain so he's probably got a couple of days of like I'm too I'm too, you know, I'm too injured to basically worry about this at the moment. But then when she first does it, I suppose you have to think it's a strange way to act to someone you don't know, to someone you, you class as being their number one fan. Like I wouldn't walk down the street, see Keanu Reeves and be like, hey, and he's not say hi the way I want back. And I'm like, hey, F, you know what I mean? You lose yeah. your mind. Like it's just a really strange way to act. So if someone did that to me off the bat, you just wouldn't bother with them again. But obviously he's in a situation.
1: And the problem with this situation is also the fact that she has already made it very clear he owes her. I saved your life. You owe me.
0: I, you know, I do all this stuff. Yeah. Oh no, 100%.
1: I think also, I think the biggest issue with Paul Sheldon as a character is the fact that He's out, He's not in control of his own mm. life, and he likes to be. He has specific practices that are made far more clear in the film, which we will go into in the next episode. But also, he is descending into drug addiction. Mm. He is becoming dependent upon the medication, so his temper's frayed. Yeah. But at the same time, he's aware that if he loses his temper with her he's going to be worse off because he's already seen what she can do. I mean, that scene with the bucket of water Mm. after she throws the, when they have a disagreement, she throws a bowl of soup at the wall. Yeah. But it's not her fault. It's his. You made me do it. It's your fault. Which is a typical abusive behavior. Yeah. And then she makes him drink down his pain medication with the bucket of water that she has just cleaned the floor with
0: that yeah. bit actually made me gag yeah but that 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 is as typical behaviour isn't it i yeah. i wouldn't you 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 made me mad you made me angry so that's why i had to do what i had to do but everything
1: I, is his fault
0: oh of course it is yeah but abusers can't blame themselves can they it's never them no. they have to they act the way they do and it's always because of someone else um but no i i think with paul sheldon because I think for me as well, because it's hard for me to kind of like I'm look. I can see the face of James Khan. So you are
1: struggling to separate the book. I'm, from the I'm,
0: yeah, I do. Because I only watched the film last night, and I only finished this book about a week ago. Um, but he's not. He's not the nicest person. You know what I mean? At the start, like you. It's it's really a weird thing because obviously this is being done to him. Obviously this is being done to him, but. I know this is gonna sound really weird, but there's at times I kind of feel a bit more sorry for her what is because
1: is that because her idol has she's suddenly discovered that her idol has lead feet
0: how, how well with him right, so he doesn't want to do this when you come across these celebrities and you know for all their lives like ten years or whatever it is, they've played a certain character a lot of the time, not all the time, but most of the time you think to yourself. Uh, they think to themselves, "Oh my God, this character has got me where I am today," and you know. But now it's time to move on. But I'm always really appreciative of said character. Whereas with him, it's almost like he's really ungrateful about the books, not because he just doesn't want to do them anymore, which is fine. You shouldn't have to spend your whole life doing something you don't want to do. But it just doesn't come across like he's. I don't know. That's just... the thing.
1: It's it's almost as though Stephen King took. An element of Arthur Conan Doyle's life mm. and made it grotesque because Arthur Conan Doyle killed off Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Because he was fed up with writing him. He wanted to move on. Yeah. And after a barrage of letters, complaints, and everything else, he brought him back to life because that's what everybody knew him for and they wouldn't leave him alone.
0: And I suppose with her, she is the reaction of what everyone's like when something doesn't go their way within the entertainment industry. I mean, we all think we have some not I mean, obviously, I don't like if a character I love gets killed off if they stop making something like, yeah, it pisses me off a bit. But, you know, I I move on with my life. I don't have a hissy fit. But you get some people that think they have such entitlement to a character, to a celebrity and stuff like this when you really don't. And I think and she does represent a lot of that, especially today because everything's out there media wise. It's all on you know, the internet. All on the internet. And then people like she's, she's the definition of a, of a troll. Like, you know what I mean? She is the original <laughs> troll. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Whereas it's like, you know, you, you've created this character and you have to basically do what I say because I like it. You've let, you know what I mean?
1: Every aspect of her life that was good Mm. was surrounded by misery. The character, not the mood, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she is, there are certain elements of her character that you, when you first meet her, you think, oh, she's really nice. She must be, she saved his life. Mm. And then little things start to happen. And you slow, actually not even slowly realise that she is the epitome of unstable. But she's she also
0: incredibly bright. Yeah, so she's like, as well, kind of like for me, one of the worst kind of like serial killers you can have. Because if you think back of all, like, no one's out of out of um, bounds. She doesn't have a type. She just does no. what needs to be done. Some of it is obviously on purpose. I think that she's... she cast herself as an
1: angel of mercy
0: yeah no yeah no you, you there's a few remember we Beverly Allett we had our very own one here yes in the we did um, that's
1: I think that's it though we're looking at to ex- expand upon this a bit so that people who've not read the book understand what we're talking about when Annie has a bit of a mental break she leaves paul sheldon alone in the house and though she has locked the door he has a wheelchair and Mm. he has a kirby grip or a bobby pin depending on where you're from and he manages to get out of his room and he finds what i would say is her souvenir book
0: oh 100
1: but she calls it memory lane
0: yeah which is really creepy and
1: when you open it up All the way through the book, she is making mention of, oh, those brats just wouldn't be quiet. Mm. And you're thinking, okay, what brats? Maybe she lived in an area where there were a lot of neighbours. And you discover that these brats were actually children that died in a fire that she set when she was 11 years old. Mm. She is, and then you find, he finds this book that contains her souvenir of every single thing that she has had a hand in or actually not even had a hand in has actually done yeah including the death of her college roommate her dad falling down the stairs her she worked as a nursery a nurse in did her, a maternity ward did her husband was he pushed off a No, her husband divorced her. Her husband divorced her. It was in the time where you used to say you'd be able to tell who divorced who by saying such and such filed for separation from. And most of them were women divorcing men. And hers was the only one in that instance where the husband had divorced the wife after just 18 months of marriage.
0: Hmm.
1: So we find all of these articles and she was even put on trial for murdering a three-day-old baby but they couldn't find enough evidence and they called her the dragon lady yeah so this book is that is the point that is the moment I think that Paul's eyes were
0: opened fully
1: to the the person
0: he was dealing with yeah because she I think the problem is with people like her is she thinks she's right there's there's going to be no reasoning with her if she wants to do it as we see you know uh, other people within the the book that she kills oh well i need to kill such and such and it's your fault but it had to be done no it no it you didn't you made me do it yeah you made me do it so like there's just there's no accountability in her whatsoever everything she does she justifies there's a reason for it there's an excuse for it And that type of person is utterly terrifying. And also due to where they are because of the location and storm, snowstorms and stuff like that. Middle of nowhere. I mean, no one's going to hear you scream there. You know, and because of his legs, he can't get up and run away. Space.
1: No one will hear you scream. Yeah. Annie Annie Wilkes' spare bedroom. Don't ever go there.
0: No, because people like her... And obviously, unfortunately, you have these type of people in the real world that you you just know you're unbelievably screwed if you come across them because, you know, and you can't get away for some reason.
1: Well, that's the thing there, she makes no the point reasoning. of saying, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah. She makes the point of saying to him, no one will hear you. Yeah. But it's that's the thing that I find really difficult in the book. It takes so long for anything to happen that makes him Paul realized that mm-hmm. there is some hope. Yeah. And it's, it's almost as though his character changes while he's there from this self-serving author who knows he's had success to someone who is doing something purely because he needs to survive. Yeah. Even though he knows at the end of it all, because she's already made it very clear, they're both going to die.
0: Yeah, no, I do. I I mean, my opinion of him changes. But at the start, I'm just like, you're just this ungrateful, arrogant, you know, not just not a very nice person. And, you know, then, but it, I suppose it's like anything you would, there's certain things he does. And you're like, I would do whatever it took to survive in that situation. Because at the moment, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. She has hurt me and she can do things to me, you know, like with the needles and all that kind of stuff, but I'm still alive. So while I'm still alive, there is a chance. So I will play whatever game I need to. And I think he learns that and you start to see him acting in certain ways because he's, you, it's strange at one point because you're, you're like, he doesn't want to anger her. And again, that's what it's like being in an abusive household. You're like, right, I better not do this because if you do this, it's going to make him angry. You know, so he learns and he's gone from this guy of being like, I say what I want. I do what I want. I'm the writer. I'm the one in charge to write. I got to do whatever this woman wants to stop her from hurting me, to stop her from getting angry and delaying the fact that she may kill me.
1: Yeah, that's the thing he has at the very beginning of the book where, well, not the very beginning, but after he's been with her for a while, I mean, time has no meaning in this book. no you know that a certain amount of time has passed, but because there is a different, a very va- a vast difference between the book and the film, mm-hmm. it's almost a drug induced blur because mm. he is a addic- highly addicted to Novril, the pain medication that Annie's been giving him. It's like, where did she get a stock of this stuff from?
0: Were they really that lax in hospitals? Cause she's still working. Isn't she in a hospital? Yeah, she's still a nurse. Yeah, that's what I thought when I saw the 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 amount. Um, I was thinking more of the film. I saw the amount. I was like, oh my goodness, who can, you know, unless she's been stocking up over a while. Yeah. You in know. the book, it actually has a very very
1: very visual description of the cupboard mm. that he finds all the drugs in. He actually yeah. in the book he takes a box.
0: Yeah, of the
1: novel. Yeah so she has a very big stock of it but at the beginning he is far less mute and obedient and he even fights back at her despite already having seen an outburst when she tells when she makes him burn his book
0: yeah yeah that you can see the resistance there yeah.
1: no i'm not going to do it but it's like he's trying to protect the the thing that he is most proud of.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's, I suppose when you think about all the work that's gone into it and it's not misery, the book isn't misery, because it's, is it called Fast Cars in the book and it's untitled in the film, isn't it? Yeah. So yes. the book isn't um, misery and I suppose for him, it's his new life of writing. And But it's also something he's incredibly proud of. Yeah, and it's not easy to give it up. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was, I, yeah, I felt sorry for them, but I I do like the scene because that's the bit where they talk about um when she goes the cocked when I go into my friends in the shop and can I have an f in this because he's like trying yeah. to explain to her how people talk and I, I I just I love the language I love her language. And she says a bastard. This she goes. Yeah, she goes. It's not like I go down to the bank and say, can I cash this bastard of a cheque or something?
1: <laughs> yes, she is incredibly rooted in her family history Mm. at least it's quite clear that she has been brought up religious Mm -hmm. and she has a very strong faith but it's been twisted somewhere along the line and she believes that she is a tool of god sent here to do whatever work that in her mind needs
0: to be done but it's strange, isn't it, how someone can, because I know, I swearing, as you know, it doesn't bother me in the slightest, Um, but some people, like, you get people like her, and I'm not, obviously not many people like her, thank God, Um, who are like, how dare you say the F word, that is the most, like, she loses her mind when she's shouting and ranting at him about cockadoody this and bastard check, but, you know, I might kill you, <laughs> and I've killed yeah. some babies, but don't swear. Don't you dare swear. She never tells him that she kills the babies. He discovers
1: that for himself. No, but we we know what he's capable of. She alludes to it quite a lot, though, because she says, when I was being questioned on the stand in Denver, so he's like, there is that inkling that something happened in his mind. And I find her, as much as I find her terrifying, I find her, as a character on paper, fascinating.
0: Oh, yeah, because you don't.
1: As I said, to begin with, when I first read this, I thought she is mental. She is absolutely insane. And I kept on saying to you, this is her descent into madness. But it's not her descent into madness. I don't think she's mad. I really don't think she is mad. I think that she is a psychopath or a sociopath. She's not mad. Well, yeah, because she's very calculating in what she does. Exactly. And if you're if you have your mind has degenerated that much, you wouldn't be that calculating.
0: No, no. But I I, I just don't I, I find her morals bizarre, you know, because yeah, so that's it, not mad either, is it? No, but it, it's it's not normal. You know, I can like if someone doesn't like swearing, fine but you can't turn around to someone and say i know she ha- he doesn't she doesn't know that he knows or whatever but how can you turn around to someone and say i think it's disgusting that you said the f word and then but it's okay to kill a baby but she does know he knows no this is before all this goes on when she oh, first yeah. meets him and she she has a go at him about the swearing he hasn't yes. he hasn't found out any of this yet so it's like it's like these people that you meet, and they're having a go about everybody else, but yet you're not so great yourself, love. Do you know what I mean? And people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's pick pick a lane. You know, pick a lane. If you're going to be a, a a git, then be a git. Like, do you know what I mean? Don't don't be all nicey nicey, and then to people, and then but behind the scenes, you're murdering people. You know what I mean? It's just pick a bloody lane. It's but know? I don't.
1: I don't know if she ever saw it as murder.
0: No, she didn't. She saw it as needed. Oh, I have to do this because of this. I have to do this because of that. You know, no, I hate people with no accountability. It drives me nuts. Yes, we can all be a little bit, oh, you know, whatever. But I it's it's one of my I can't stand people who have no accountability for stuff. It It's never them. It's never you, is it? It's never you. And that's her. It's never you. It's always somebody else. And do you know what? It can't always be somebody else. It can't always be someone else. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's you. But it's not always. But it. But with her, it's never her. And they're the worst type of people to be around when it's never you. But
1: then you she, nuts. that's the thing though, isn't it? She is never around anyone. She has a very isolated and lonely existence that is buoyed up by, Paul Sheldon's misery books that she admittedly
0: reads over and over again. Have you ever done that, read to the end of a book and then went back to the beginning? No. No, because that's weird. She's like, I turn that last page and then I go straight back to the-.
1: I put the book down and I th- I've i read, book- I've reread plenty of books. Hmm. Otherwise I wouldn't keep them all. Well, that's, I forgot to put that book back on the shelf. Uh, but I will... I'll probably go back. There are some books that I will read once, maybe twice a year.
0: Yeah, but that's different. But But that is
1: very different to rereading the same book over and over again. It's almost as though she didn't have any other books in her life. And I think that the morality of the book Mm. is what appealed to her. Mm. And that's why she continued to read them over and over again. Because she fell in love with the ca- The main character. The main character was morally forthright. And the time that the book was based was far more Puritan. And she felt at home there.
0: It must be... I'm glad I don't have this. And, I mean, if people do, I hope I don't offend anyone here. But to be that obsessed with one thing... I don't mean... Being a big reader. That's different. You don't when I came to visit you, you don't jump around going in, oh my God, it's the most you know, this type of thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a massive interest. But like I I just I I don't understand that level of obsession. It's just I don't think it's healthy at all. Like I have my favorite bands and my favorite characters. I read all my true crime, I love my horror, but you know, I'm also in the real world. The only
1: time I've ever seen it is when I went to yeah I'm gonna make myself look really sad now when I went to a midnight pickup for a Harry Potter book and the main reason I did that was because I hate spoilers hate them in books so I needed to read that book before people started posting about it talking about it I just finished the book when my nan came out and said to me oh on the radio they've just said Dumbledore dies it's like so glad I've just finished the book.
0: Did you see that someone put it on a banner on a plate? Yes. Like that's just I'd different. already read it by that point,
1: but at the same time, that's why I did it because I didn't want to have the ending spoiled and people there are a lot of people out there who do that, but I did see some insane freakouts when people were picking up their it. books.:
0: No, I don't get it. I don't like I and I met Sigourney Weaver and I love her, and even I kept it together. You know, I think, I don't you know. It's just, do you know why? Because to me, it's not real. Like whenever I look at these celebrities and I'm like, oh my God, they're so hot and stuff like that. But it's it's not real. And that's the thing. It's like this with her, this character of misery, it's almost like she's reading about somebody like her best friend, like somebody she knows that she's met, that she's touched, you know, whereas, you know, we're all very much aware of the fact that all these people You know, I I would watch a film with Johnny Depp and I'm like, oh my God, he's a great actor. He's gorgeous. But as soon as the film ends, that's the moment's past. You know, I don't spend my whole days going on. And, you know, it's just, I don't think that level of obsession is at all healthy. We have
1: already established that there is a lot wrong with Annie.
0: No. But it's
1: not that she is insane. It's misunderstood. I don't think she's (laughs) misunderstood. I don't think that she's insane. I think that she is calculated and she is cruel. Hmm. Oh, very but cruel. I don't think she's insane. See, that's the thing. As I said, when I was younger, I thought that was my immediate thought was she's mental. But she is not. She is far too aware of the
0: consequences. I think sometimes, though, the whole insanity thing for me, like in the mental, your mental type thing, um, which was a big phrase that people used to use when we were younger. Yes, um, it was. Uh is the outbursts it's for me it's not so much when she's doing all the messed up stuff because she's very slowing that like when she does a certain thing with the legs it's not like I'm angry at you so I'm coming in to do this like it's not a reaction you know it's it's very thought through that's not a spoiler what isn't the legs the leg-
1: is not a spoiler oh is it not no
0: oh, okay how, how why is it not a spoiler I feel like it is Does because it doesn't know?
1: give you the outcome of the book oh
0: okay woohoo um so yeah when she <laughs> oh god you're happy about
1: being a... okay uh should I be worried about you Well, <laughs> <laughs> when she
0: cuts <laughs> off his foot um but um yes yeah, but it's all very thought through so yeah that, that is not if you if you think of something, if you plan because that had to be planned, she had to go and get the stuff to do it. She had to think about it and yeah. she had to put his feet in a certain way and she she would tell him and all this kind of stuff. So it was all very thought out. So, yeah, that's not insane. But for me, when but I think the reason you for me, when I think this girl is insane is when she does the outbursts and the, you know, cockadoody, dirty birdie and all this kind of stuff. I really wish I could pull it off um But that, I think, that is where it is. So you're kind of in and out. She's in and out of insanity, I think. But then, are we all insane in that case? Because we can all lose it every now and again. But we don't cut people's feet off.
1: The thing with her and her outbursts for me was the fact that though she had these outbursts, her she was aware she'd had them After, because yeah. afterwards mm. the anger was still there, but it was concise. So the perfect example being after she discovers that Paul has been roaming around the house, Mm. and he he becomes aware that she knows, yeah, and he's nervous and understandably anxious about it. She hobbles him by chopping off his left foot with an axe, (laughs) and then cauterizing it with a blowtorch. Oh my god! She is calculated. Yeah. And every single thing she does, even I think even the outbursts to a point are just one side of that nasty character. And maybe it is multiple personalities and Mm -hmm. the nice, sweet, God-fearing woman is one side of it. The vicious anger outbursts are another side of it. And that calculated cover-up is the protecting side of it. I mean, we'll never know, but that's what it felt like to me when you saw those three very distinct sides of her personality.
0: But there was also, I thought, a very um, childlike way to her in the, not just with the pig thing, but you know when she would do something for him with regards to the writing, when she got him paper and the things, and she'd want praise for it. Yes. I did good type thing, which is, you know something my kid does who's six you know she 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 wants the praise and you give her the praise and her face like when she's done well I know she doesn't do right all the time but when she does it you know it's like it's like she's just been praised by her parent for doing a good job and you know here's some sweets well done you know what I mean
1: absolutely as I said the god-fearing yeah almost
0: so she does have a lot of personalities in this
1: yeah She does, which is why I think that perhaps rather than being mental, it's a multiple personality disorder. Yeah, because she does have those those very distinct sides. And one flips to the next when a switch is almost she's triggered into doing so. But she never does the punishment immediately. She no. goes away and she thinks about it. Yeah,
0: which is worse because he's the whole time, especially when you've had your first punishment. You're like, and if your punishment's your foot being cut off, like you're gonna be like, what's the next one gonna be? I'm just gonna cut my dumb. Oh, <laughs> um, but so if you're allowed to talk about certain things, that aren't spoilers? Are we allowed to talk about the cop? Or... Yeah. Yay! I was like, oh god, that sounds really bad. <laughs> Yeah,
1: and yeah, ignore this.
0: She she's, she doesn't mean it. <laughs> That's the horror side of me coming And out. this
1: is why I knew you'd be the perfect person to talk about this one with.
0: Oh, my God, because I obviously have seen the film and we're talking about the way the cop dies in the film, but the cop that dies in the way the cop dies here, like, oh. oh, my God, could you be any more twisted? And then he's watching, isn't
1: he? He's been here with Annie for a while and... Suddenly his agent has reported him missing and all of a sudden people are now doing stuff. So the local cop goes to visit Annie Mm -hmm. and Paul is told to be quiet and he
0: isn't. So it's his fault to be fair. She did. She did say be quiet.
1: (laughs) And in a fit of rage and also to protect her secret she stabs this policeman multiple times in the back with a cross and then when it's obvious he re- he's reaching for his gun mm. his name's harry in the book yeah i think he's reaching for his gun and paul can see him and he's trying to warn him to get away yeah and and he comes back with a lawnmower
0: and <laughs> goes over his face
1: He goes over. She goes over his entire body, and there's nothing left. But what really got me about this scene wasn't the fact that that was definitely not rage. That was oh no, organized because after the do that, yeah. But after the act has taken place, she makes sure that Paul is watching her as she disposes Mm. of the policeman's clothes and then takes his
0: gun. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was calculated yeah that was i think that really showed the level of because like if you kill someone and they're you know practically dead because i don't was he wasn't when that lawnmower went for him because he started kind of crawling off a bit didn't he yeah he did. To he get started away. to crawl up into the bushes yeah. and um so th- there's other ways hang on this is going to sound really wrong but like you don't need to do that, but you don't need to do that, that you do that because you enjoy it because you want to, because you want someone to have the most painful end of life. No way is you don't kill anyone in any way, but if you practically kill someone and they're not dead and you think, ah, I know because you have to go and get the lawnmower. You have to come back with the lawnmower. You have to turn on the lawnmower. You have to push. There's a lot of physical work there. There's time To not do it. Even if you think it, there's time to change your mind. And there's glee in what she's doing. She enjoys it. Oh, 100%. And then I think, like, because I think we don't, thank God, see all the deaths of the babies and stuff like that. You know that she's, I know, not use your word, we're not to use the word insane, but you know, we haven't seen it. But with him, it kind of, I think that when I read that, that's kind of when you're like, hang on a second, you're just evil. Yes. Because of the she didn't need to do it and she enjoyed it just a little bit too much. And she did it to get away. It's like it's like someone going, oh, I don't want to get caught. So I better get rid of this guy, because if he doesn't, then he's going to ruin my whole plan. You know, it was like someone just not wanting to get caught out because they've already they're already committing a crime with Paul Sheldon. Yeah. So I don't want to get caught out for that. So I'm going to kill the witness, basically, because he knows he's there.
1: But not only that, after this occurs, she tells him that if he does this again, he's mm. responsible for even more deaths. Mm-hmm. So she's already planning strategically to kill other people if they get in the way of her getting this rewritten
0: mm. misery book. Yeah, but that that's who she is. It's just like collateral damage. Sorry, mate. It's she almost as though it.
1: the book is... Her motivation, her excuse.
0: Yeah. But that's the thing. She is. She can't be accountable and she has to have an excuse for everything. You said about the babies, they were too loud. No, it wasn't. It was the brats that were living above her. But that's the thing. She's got a a reason for it, you know? He shouldn't have came to the house. Paul, it's your fault. I told you to be quiet. Why don't you be quiet? If you'd be quiet, he wouldn't be dead. Yeah. Which is technically true, (laughs) but... (laughs)
1: i'm not blaming paul i'm not blaming paul that's the thing she she has no control over her impulses and in that respect she is a child
0: but the initial stabbing but she if that was an impulse in
1: that as well she stabbed him multiple times in the back
0: yeah but if that was an impulse oh no you've seen my my little plan here but the the lawnmower thing like she could have just shot him in the head if she wanted him dead, she could have took his gun and shot him in the head. She, you know, she calls herself an angel of mercy. That's not mercy.
1: But then she'd have had more to
0: dispose of. Oh God! So it's time saving.
1: Yeah, exactly. This was her time saving modus operandi.
0: God, don't know what her garden bin would have looked like that week for the the collection. A bit red. All this red stuff.
1: Yeah, blood rain. I don't blood rain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't imagine that she was thinking... Actually, she probably was thinking that far ahead. That's the problem. But then she has got a pig.
0: Yeah, but she loves that pig more than anything, doesn't she?
1: Yes, but she has got a pig. And what, do pig, oh, what yeah, how are pigs known for?
0: Yeah, eating people.
1: Yes. I've seen Snatch. <laughs> I've seen a really, really gross horror film in my time that, yes, but I don't want to talk about that now. I mean, the thing is with... I can't even remember. I just remember the scene. The thing with this book is that it has a very, very small cast. Mm -hmm. Very small cast. For the majority of the book, you have got Paul and you have got Annie. Yep. And you have got Paul in a drug-induced... Not a coma, but a drug-induced haze for the majority of it. And Annie is initially like this guardian angel who's come out of nowhere and saved him but she has a sinister motivation because she is his number one fan cuz that doesn't sound ever creepy and as soon i do wonder if and this came up far more it was far more obvious for me in the film but i do wonder in the book if if he hadn't been who he was would she have killed him? Because he was near death. And when you think about the one thing that I found quite interesting in the book, or actually there were a lot of things, but this was one that I really did find interesting, was when Paul was going through her her Memory Lane book and you're getting extracts of the crimes that were committed and all of these people were near death or after a short illness. One was in a coma, one had been in a car accident and they were recovered enough, and then they died. I couldn't help but wonder if, she, had Paul not been who she, who he was, if she'd have helped him recover and then killed him.
0: Maybe. You don't know with this one, do you?
1: Because that was her modus operandi. Mm. That was what she did with all the others. Oh, they're not going to survive, so I'm going to kill them.
0: Yeah, because she says... Didn't she say how she was following him or something? Or he was up in the cabin and That's in the film. That's the film, is it? See? I get mixed up between the two. I shouldn't have watched them so I shouldn't have read it and watched it so close together.
1: I watched it this morning, or most of it this morning, yeah. and finished the book last night.
0: So Ah uh, yeah, but you're better at the book thing than me. I'm the problem is with me, is I forget things really easily. So it's like I was I was because I started listening to this book about what couple of months ago and then I kind of because I was listening to other things in between it. I should have Yeah just and I also and said went. to
1: you, let me know yeah. when you're close to finish so I can start reading it.
0: Yeah, that's bad, isn't
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> well no, because audio does take longer to read mm. than a physical book.
0: Mm. No, it's true. But um well, for 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 me it wouldn't. I'd take me a lot longer to read a book than it would to listen to it. I just can't sit down and do it. <laughs> Yeah, but everybody
1: has their thing. And I think that I envy people who can listen to audio books because that would mean that I got more read when I'm working, but I just cannot focus on them. I get distracted. I need to be reading something physical.
0: I could only do, I'll be honest with you, with this, funny enough, I could only do this while I was like out walking or something or cleaning. I wouldn't have listened to this while doing something like on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas with the, a lot of the podcasts I put on, because I already know the story of some of them, uh, then I can do it because I I know it. But if I if it's something I don't know, then I will only listen to it when walking and uh, cleaning or something. Because when you're cleaning, obviously, you're not, yeah, you're just you're not reading anything or looking at anything. But yeah, but I'm glad that you that we we picked this actually, and I I wouldn't mind at some point. Well, if you will, if we do it, uh, doing this again, but I don't know where you have me. <laughs> You'd be like, no, <laughs> no. Nope. But yeah.
1: You're my most regular guest.
0: I know, but books and Lorraine don't really go hand in hand, do they?
1: <laughs> there, I think there are certain books and you just have to find the right one. That being said, what did you really think of this as a book?
0: I really enjoyed li- i was surprised how much i did like listening to it cuz i really got into it and it made me want to get some more non uh some more fiction stuff rather than just all the true crime stuff now the stuff i'm going to listen to is going to be probably horror um, but there are
1: some amazing horror books i've i've already talked about i did firestarter which was the first of the stephen kings that i've probably Mm. the first Stephen King I read yeah but there are a lot of good Stephen King
0: books yeah I'm gonna do The Shining um I did read The Shining actually in a book um many yeah but that was years ago years and years and years ago um so I would get The Shining I I I probably would do a lot of Stephen King stuff and then just you know ask people what horror stuff because I I wouldn't I don't know if I'd have some of the maybe romance stuff I don't know I don't know maybe some sci-fi I'd listen to sci-fi, depending on what it was.
1: There's some good sci-fi out there as well. Yeah, I've read, but I a don't few I've... recently.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to have a think, but I am going to get um another one, another Stephen King one. I might do uh the uh, The Shining next.
1: That's the thing. A lot of Stephen King's are surprisingly long books. Hmm. I I have to admit I was I've always surprised I'm always surprised when I look at the length of it and see it's over 1100 pages long. Jesus Christ who reads that much? Have you read it? I did I read it when I was
0: 12 I think it was the first it was one of the first isn't, big Stephen in, Kings that I read. Isn't there like a sex scene between kids in that or something kids. in the book? <laughs>
1: I can't remember. I think I probably glossed over it when I read it, but I, I did have did nightmares for months afterwards.
0: Yeah, you. No one should be looking at it when they're thirteen or twelve. <laughs> that's an adult. I read a film. lot of.
1: I was reading a lot of grown-up books by that point, but as you said, this has encouraged you, which is fantastic.
0: No, it has. And it doesn't I'll... matter
1: whether you're reading a physical book or listening to it. If you're enjoying it, that's all that matters.
0: Well, I will I will say one thing as someone who, I'll be honest with you, Ray, don't want to give you a big head now, but until I met you with books because of, you know, the podcast and stuff like that, I would never have entertained your podcast before I met you. And I only listened to it at the start because we of were me. friends and there were films in it. So I said, yeah, I'll give it a listen to like that. But I have actually listened to some of your stuff and- it, it you have made me start listening, wanting to listen to actual uh, fiction books from your podcast. Yay, success! Yeah, and that's for, and you know how much of an and you know how much of a non-reader I am. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you you you've got a really good podcast, and you you've converted me. Who and I'm 48 now. <laughs> like,
1: do you know what I mean? But all I want to do is encourage people to just pick up a book or an audio book or something and try something different because there are so many genres out there they aren't mm. all romance or smut if you listen to me on Thursday you'll know what I mean and why I don't read much of it anymore uh, purple prose is awful and if you can just find one genre that mm makes you think, wow, this is actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Then I've accomplished something. And there are (laughs) some really good books out there. And with audio, it is in part down to who reads it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree with that because I have tried to listen to, uh, I'm listening to one at the moment, um, the 5am club, and it's not Robin Sharman ringing it, reading it, sorry. And I'm going to listen to, I'm going to finish it, but Uh, it's he's not engaging me that much if you know what I mean um and that's no I don't know I can't even remember the name of the guy it's no disrespect or anything but yeah you need but it's the same with a podcast yeah like sometimes I like I know that this podcast is gonna this episode about such and such but then the person just and that you know they that's just my personal preference I have a certain thing I like to listen to just like yourself and you know I would never name any podcasts that I don't find engaging because I think that's disrespectful um but and it's personal opinion too. And it's pretty yeah, because some of the podcasts are, there's podcasts out there that are really popular that I just can't engage with, but that's just me, you know. Um, but it does, it makes a massive difference on who's telling the story, you know. And that woman, what was her name again? Lindsay Krause. Yeah, she was brilliant, especially when she was doing the really like shouty Annie bits, like and when she was getting angry and oh, I loved it. Like I was really like. In it, like I was in, I was in the the scene, you know, and it was she was brilliant. She was really good at doing, and even when she was like doing the port, the everyone bits, like she just she nailed it. But Annie, she it was a bit scary how much she changed when she read the the kind of aggressive bits of Annie.
1: That's the thing, Lindsay Krause is a good actress. Yeah, no, We've she made is. a badly written character good in Buffy. All oh, right, my okay. least favorite season,
0: season four. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I appreciate it. And you know, if you ever want to do a Stephen King one again, then I'm your gal and we can watch the, the movie too. We could do the same thing. <laughs> That's the thing. I think that as we will discuss in my next episode,
1: the film is different enough that they could be completely
0: separate properties. Well, uh, hopefully I'll sound a bit more like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's more my thing. Yeah, well, where can people find you? Yeah, so horror... Uh, films if you're into into those then that's Once Upon a Nightmare and I'm on all platforms of choice and A Nightmare pod on Twitter and Once Upon a Nightmare podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Anyway
1: (laughs) thank you so much and we will be talking about the film in my next episode so prepare for spoiler ridden rather than spoiler free and we will be talking about the differences between the film and the book and our opinion of how they actually interpreted it onto the screen, so we will see you in our next, in my next episode with my guest Lorraine. Bye. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening, and a massive thank you to Lorraine for joining me. We'll be back this Wednesday with a spoiler-filled review of the film that came out in 1990. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please post a star rating on Good Pods, Spotify or Podchaser. You can follow me on Twitter at being and on Instagram at beingbookishpod or you can check out my website beingbookish.co.uk Well, I need another cup of coffee and to select another book from the shelves. So until next time, this is me saying farewell.